Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. I was enjoying that song. Boy, I need to sing that this morning. Alright, Acts chapter 10. This is where Peter is sent to preach to Cornelius. That high quality, high value man that had moved up and was a great family man and great in his career and great in every way and trying to do right but just didn't have some teaching. And the Lord got it to him. You know what? You try to do right the best you can, imperfect though we all are, the Lord will get you some truth. Yes. Amen. The more you obey, the more light will be given you. You go through a door, God will open the next door. I being in the way the Lord led me, and he, he certainly does. And he gets his family and friends there, and Peter preaches to him, and this is what he preaches. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth. You know, just that's a good phrase. <laughs> There's a lot of Christians need to open their mouths more. Amen. Have you ever been in a situation where you kind of knew you ought to witness? Yes. And you just almost did, but you didn't? Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Ah, oh, I love those phrases. I love it where you take God and you just praise him and you just exalt him. It blesses my heart for somebody to say, Jesus Christ, parentheses, He is Lord of all. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Verse 37, That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Uh, there's your secret. Get God with you. Now that will affect some outward things, and I'm all for preaching outward things, but the real key is get God with you. When God's with you, you won't be perfect because you still have a flesh that you're fighting, but the power is there. And if God isn't with you, I don't care how many details you got right, the power won't be there. Verse 39, and we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem who they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Now none of us going to do as good as the Lord Jesus, but in Jesus' case it sure looked like he failed. And he, they killed him and buried him. That's right. But because God was with him, even that didn't matter. Amen. <laughs> The closer you get to God, the more the trials and the setbacks won't even matter because God's stronger than them. Amen. Good point. Amen. Verse 41, Not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with Him after He rose from the dead. Right. Not everybody got to see this. But some witnesses chosen before. Who's that? The ones that have a relationship with they ate and drank with him. Verse 42, And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. So it's not all privilege 
to have that relationship with God. Some of it is responsibility. If you're here in Victory Baptist Church, or really any Bible-believing Baptist church in, in the conservative Bible Belt, you have a responsibility. You've been given some things everybody doesn't have. But here's what they're to preach. It is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. I want to especially take my text from verse 42 towards the end of the verse where he says, to, and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. I'm going to preach this morning on Christ, the judge of all. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray your spirit come down and bear witness to the truth. And I know that I'm unworthy for this job. And yet, Lord, in your wisdom, you've decided to put me here. And God, I pray I do it as faithful as I can. Preaching about our Lord Jesus as the judge of everyone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, now it says he's the judge of quick and dead. That's it, uh, you know, a way of saying the alive and the dead. When uh, you know where the quick is... That's the part that's alive. Amen. Uh, the life of the flesh is in the blood thereof. Something that has blood flowing in it is alive. So we call it quick. When you cut your fingernail too far and you say, I cut it to the quick, you mean you cut it to where the blood is. <laughs> that's where the life is. So he is the judge of the quick and the dead. Well, that's about everybody. Can, you, can anybody here think of anybody who isn't either alive or dead? That, that pretty well takes them all in, as best I can tell. Amen. And I want to say this morning that the Lord Jesus is the rightful judge of everybody in the world. Now, it lifts up the Lord Jesus as the judge of all. This truth was declared early. In Genesis 18, way back in ancient times, when Abraham is bargaining with God about not killing his nephew Lot and his family, he says, That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? right. And you know, the Lord went along with Abraham's prayer. Amen. That's true. He said, Shall not the judge, he called him the judge of all the earth, capital J, giving him that title. So uh, this, was, this is an ancient uh, truth about God that was known. In fact, our Lord Jesus takes all three branches of government. You school children, if you've taken some uh, American government classes, you probably remember the three branches of, of government. The executive, headed up by the president, and the uh, legislative, that is the um, Congress that passes our laws, Houses, the House, you know, writes the laws and then they go up to the Senate and then they get signed by the President. You remember all that? The executive branch, that's the President. The legislative branch, that's the Congress. And the judicial branch, that's the judges. In the case of the federal government, it'd be the Supreme Court. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he just takes up all three branches of government. Bible says in Isaiah 9, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Well, we've just referred to the passages that says he's judge of all. But he's also called the Lord of all in this passage up in verse 36. And in another passage, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You know what that tells me? He's the head of the executive. 
branch of government. And we already pointed out where he was the head of the judges, but he's also the lawgiver. He is the word incarnate in the flesh. So therefore, he is the legislative branch. He's all three. Now, I don't have to tell you as Americans, and especially as Baptists, we believe in a separation of powers. Amen. We don't believe in one person having all the power. Now, you take David Gilmerch down here. I think that is a fine man, one of the best. But as good of a man as he is, if he had the power to write every law in this country and the power as a judge to interpret every law in this country and the power of the executives to enforce every law in this country, he would be badly tempted to be a little uh, skewed. Because <laughs> the best human being that we know, when they have complete and total power over everything done in the whole state or the whole country or whatever, they say absolute power corrupts absolutely. And the same thing could be said for me or Sean Hankus or Brother Rich, either of them. <laughs> you know why? Because we're all human. We all got some weaknesses. And if we could have every single thing our way, there would be a problem. Our old fleshy nature would come out. Oh, yes. There is one person in the universe that I would trust with this kind of absolute power. You know who that is? Yes. God. Amen. And the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's who I'd trust. <laughs> Now, we live in a day that resists this kind of consolidation of power, and I don't blame them. I actually agree with them on that part. I don't trust human nature. Yeah. I've been in Baptist circles way too long. <laughs> They're capable of everything you can imagine. But, in the case of God, there's somebody you can trust with. It. Yes, amen. So let's look, at, uh, let's look at this passage, and we'll see the judge, and we'll see the defendants, and we'll see the witnesses in this uh, picture of the court. All right, the judge, of course, is Jesus Christ. First thing I want to say about him that makes him a good judge is he is impartial. It says here in verse 34 of our text, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. He is impartial. It says he hath put all things under his feet in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, if he's put all things under his feet, then it's obvious that he is accepted who put all things under him. He can't put his own self under his feet. <laughs> but everything else is under his feet. He, so therefore, he can be impartial. Another thing that makes him a good law uh, judge is he knows God's law. Verse 36, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. God sent him preaching, and you know what he preached? God's Word. You know what that tells me? He knows God's Word. You can't be a good judge if you don't understand where the law comes from and what the law is. The Lord Jesus knows it like nobody knew it. When He taught, the people showed up. There was power behind it. The, um, the Romans even said, Never man spake like this man. And the Leaders in the Sanhedrin, leaders in, in the Jewish religion, they knew he knew. When he was 12 years old, they were amazed yeah. at his knowledge. Right. He knew the Word. He knew the Scripture. Young people, 
I know we're not going to know it like Jesus, but the more Bible you can learn, the better you'll do in life. Amen, Amen. But I didn't mean that you'll do well in life and that you won't have trials. God help you, you'll have those whichever route you choose to go in life. <laughs> this is not a perfect world. You're going to have a hard time every which way you go. Don't think serving God makes it easy and don't think serving the world, the flesh, and the devil makes it easy. It's going to be trouble every which way you go till you get home to glory. But you'll be right if you know the Word of God and you'll have a whole lot better chance of having the presence of God with you if you have the Word of God in your heart as long as you don't rebel against it. The judge, he's impartial. He knows God's law. He knows the defendant's. There is nobody knows people like the Lord knows people. Sometimes I'll be preaching the Word of God and I'll hit on something and Word will get back to me later that I hit on something that really tore somebody up and you know, it was something that they were struggling with and I had no idea of it. I've told you many times about when I first came here and was teaching and brought something up with a big thing that was going on. Of course, this was 20, man, how long ago was that now? At least 25 years ago. And I brought up something that I had no idea was going on. You know why? Why? Because I'm this great prophet and have all this insight. No, because God did it. I had no clue what was going on. Whenever, whenever somebody opens a King James Bible and gets help with the Holy Spirit and prays down for the help of God, imperfect though we are, and Lord knows we all are, and the Word of God goes forth, it accomplishes what God wants it to accomplish. And it does things Brother Bob is 100% incapable of doing. And don't look to me. This Bible is way over my head. It was being preached and changing lives long before I ever showed up. And it'll be doing the same long after I'm gone. Amen. It's this Bible that rules the world and the universe. But the Lord knows the defendants. John 2.23, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Can you imagine the stupidity of going to the Lord or God the Father and trying to explain to him, all right, now Lord, let me tell you how men are. <laughs> uh, I assure you, he knows. <laughs> he knows better than you know. Well, let me just tell you the kind of man my daddy was so you'll understand. Uh, uh, he already knew and took all that into account. Let me tell you what kind of mama I had so you'll understand my problems. He already knew and took all that into account. He knows everything. Well, let me tell you how I was treated. Well, let me tell you about my heartbreak. He's got all that. You do not need to test. Now, let me be clear about one thing lest I be misunderstood. I'm not saying don't talk to him. That hymn that we sang, blessed my heart just a minute ago, I must tell Jesus, you should talk to him about it. But talk to him in the sense of sharing your burden with him. Talk to him in the sense of connecting with him, not because you're schooling him. <laughs> if anything, he'll school you. But he knows the defendants. Uh, but not only did he author the law, thank God he published the law. Amen. Look at the wording in verse 36, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel. When God has the word, he gets it to you. He sends it. Especially here in the Bible Belt South, if you hadn't heard it, you're not listening. 
It's on the radio. It's on church signs. It's in some of the people you work with. It's with some of the people you're kin to, some of the people you're friends with, some of the neighbors you live near. It's all over this part of the world. You have stopped your ears on purpose if you're not hearing it around here. The word which, back in verse 36, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, ye know, which was, look at it, published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. It was published. He gets it out. The Bible says in Titus 2.11, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. God gets it out. God spreads it. Uh, for a long, long time, I don't know if it's still true, but for, a, but for a long time, one of the greatest sellers in the history of the world is the King James Bible. Words, words gotten out. He published the law. I'll tell you something else, though. He was good. There are people that publish things, and they may have the power, but they're not good. Look at verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Let me tell you about the Lord Jesus. He just does good. Yes, amen. You got a oppression from the devil? He's interested in healing you from it and has healed many before you. I've got a few myself. And those of you who've known me a long time kind of know some of them anyway, so I may as well not lie about it. Jesus does good. You know what I'm glad of? I'm glad that the judge of all who published, uh, who wrote the law and published it and has all the power, the executive and the legislative and the judicial, I'm glad he's good. Wouldn't it be trouble Amen. if he was a tyrant? What oh. if you had somebody like Nero with all that power? They found out about that, didn't they? Right. He is good. Yeah. But strangely, look at verse 39. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. And I just said it was all good. And then it says, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. <laughs> Whenever somebody tells you they're interested in good government and they like good people, but they reject Jesus Christ, they're lying. They're just lying. They're, if, if you want good people, Jesus Christ is somebody you receive, and if you don't receive Him, you are not a good person, and don't waste my time telling about all the money you gave to charity to get a tax break, or to look good, or to impress somebody, because it wasn't really because you are good. Because a good person loves Jesus Christ. Amen. That's a good point. We could apply that in many different ways. You say you want a good boss, you want to work at a good place. All right, well, I'll tell you who your boss is in your personal life. Be Jesus Christ. If you've rejected him, don't waste my time telling me you're looking for a good employer. Because they're the best one in all of history and all of the universe is available to run your life, and you've turned him down. Doesn't make any sense. Don't tell me you're looking for a good sweetheart. And you don't want Jesus. If somebody's really looking for a good man in their life, if somebody's really looking for true love in their life, the first thing they do is take Jesus Christ and put Him in charge of their life. Amen. If you're saying you're looking for a good person 
romantically, and Jesus Christ isn't running your life, you're kidding me and yourself both. Because He is true love. 100% love. He will be running the life of anybody that really wants somebody good in any of these categories. You say, I want a just government. I'm fighting for justice. Well, then you're crazy about Jesus Christ. There's nobody more just than Him. The just for the unjust, it said. The Bible calls Him the just. I don't care what you're looking for. If it's good and right, it is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Amen. If you're rejecting Him, you're not really after that. God is love. God is just. God is everything good. And yet, that him whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Now, I don't blame you if you don't like me. I've done some things in my life I'm kind of ashamed of. And haven't always been the person I ought to be. But you can't say that about Jesus. Amen. You cannot put one thing on him. You know how it would have benefited Pilate if he could have just not had to deal with the Lord Jesus? But he looked at him and three times said, I find no fault in him. Right. And made the mistake of his life when he did turn him over to him. Oh, yes. He was good. And yet, he was rejected. But here's the real important thing. He was appointed by God. You know why I preach the Word of God? God told me to. I don't preach the Word of God because I'm the man for the job. I don't preach the Word of God because I'm the perfect specimen and I'm the one that needs to be doing it. I do it for one reason. God told me to. Amen. And that's it. And I'm a little puzzled as to why He did. But that's why I do it. Now let me tell you about the Lord Jesus. Look at the end of verse 42. It is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. Be sure that you take your God-given responsibility seriously. But the Lord Jesus is the right judge. He was the one appointed by the one that really is in charge. The judge is Jesus Christ. All right, now let's look at the defendants. The quick and the dead. As I said a minute ago, that's about everybody. I can't think of anybody that isn't in one of those two categories. Amen. Um, first thing I say is uh, they're judged according to God's Word. Verse 36, the Word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Now, I know this context. They're still referring to when Jesus came and came mainly to the Jews primarily. and first, But then they rejected Him and Lo and behold, in came the Pauline church age, opened up to the Gentiles and everybody. But it is by God's word in any dispensation that you're judged as to how you kept God's word, your works in, in relation to God's word. All right, now the uh, second thing is they cannot claim ignorance of the law. Uh, first of all, because it was published. In this case, it's dealing with the Lord's earthly ministry. So, of course, it would be in Judea, beginning from Galilee. It was published in the place that was being talked about. Let me tell you about the handiwork of God. It's seen all over this world. Psalm 19, 
The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Amen. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. I don't care what culture you come from, you see some things, and if you give your heart to God and do the best you can, he gets some help to you, just like he does Cornelius. Amen. Romans chapter 1, That which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There are some things you see in nature that leaves you without excuse. Now, it doesn't mean that you know the, all the details of the gospel. I admit that. But if you submit to what you do know, God will get you more light for what you don't know. That's a good point. The judged according to God's word, they cannot claim ignorance of the law. Furthermore, they are required to do some things. They're required to fear and work righteousness based on what they do know. Look at verse 35. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. That's interesting that Peter is saying this because Peter was real big on being a Jew, a Sabbath-observing, pork-abstaining Jew. And he said, well, nothing common or unclean have I eaten, Lord. But what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And so he is having to realize Cornelius, though not a Jew, he's as sincere as he knows how to be, and an angel showed up and said, all right, now that man, I can see his heart. He is searching. He's sincere. You get the truth to him. Amen. And so Peter admits it. And you know what he sees in Cornelius? Verse uh, 35, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness. Well, that's what Solomon said in uh, Ecclesiastes. Let us hear then the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. You start fearing God and obeying what you do know, and with Gentiles it was mainly just their conscience, because they many of them, most of them didn't have the Mosaic law. God noticed and showed up. And if that's not enough, this shows up again in Revelation chapter 14 in what the Bible calls the everlasting gospel. And it says in Revelation 14, 6, I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. This is not just for the Jews. This is to everybody. Saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Now don't misunderstand. I understand that's not the plan of salvation. We trust the finished atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross and His burial and resurrection. And when we put our belief in that, boom, that's when He saves us. But I will say this, for the ones that have never heard that, when they fear God and give glory to Him, when they fear God and follow the light of their conscience, the Lord shows up and gives them the next thing. Yet that's one reason we ought to be all excited about supporting missionaries to get the Word of God out there to some high-hearted people, some of whom don't even know the Lord, and yet they have better hearts than some Baptists I know been saved for 20 years. <laughs> that tears me up. And we need to get the gospel to those people. But they are required to fear and work righteousness. 
And they're made up of all mankind. He says every nation in verse 35. He says in verse 42, the judge of quick and dead. That's all of us. And unfortunately, though, we're charged with a great crime. Look at verse 39, the last part of the verse. Whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Wow. Now, you and I didn't literally drive the nails, but we had some of the sins that he died for. I remember when I was going through Bible school, one of my best friends down there, his uh, nephews, came and visited with him a while and we'd pray with those little boys and it was such a blessing to hear those little boys pray. Their, their prayers were so sincere. I wish I wish more Christians prayed like those little boys did. <laughs> I remember they'd be praying about spiritual things and mixed in be, and Lord help me to get that bite because that would just be the best thing. <laughs> and help my brother quit hitting me. And one of the things that uh, they prayed one time um, that I remember has always been on my memory is, and Lord forgive me for that sin I did because that was another stripe on your back that you had to take. <laughs> I thought, man, those little boys, they actually think them and the Lord Jesus have like a personal relationship. Amen. Well, there's some Baptists could do good yeah. with that. Thinking the Lord is that real to them. Yeah. But we're charged with the greatest crime in history. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? It doesn't even say reject so great salvation. Uh, what if we just don't even care about it and therefore we neglect it? That'd be worse than criminal negligence, wouldn't it? Amen. Let's see, uh, we're in the book of Acts. Let me read over here in Acts chapter 5. Notice when Peter was preaching, notice how this message was taken, how they understood it. Acts 5 verse 28, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. They thought from Peter's preaching that he was saying they were guilty of the blood of Jesus. Oh, man, that is the issue that you'll have to deal with. What will you do with Jesus? But in spite of them being charged with the greatest crime in history, notice this, verse 43, To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Real close to forgiveness, they're just taken away. It's like a full pardon. It isn't that you didn't commit the crime. It's that you're just pardoned from the punishment of it. Amen. It isn't that you didn't commit this sin. It's just remitted to you. Amen. Now who in the world wouldn't take that deal? If you think you're guilty and somebody offers you a, government, a governor's pardon or a president's pardon... You're real interested in that thing. That'd be the thing that you'd be most interested probably in your whole life is getting out of jail, getting out of prison. If you think you're guilty of sinning against God, you're real interested in this remission of sins that comes from how? The end of verse uh, 43, Whosoever believeth in Him shall receive remission of sin. There is one category of people that's not interested in that. 
somebody that thinks there isn't. Why would they need it? They don't think they've done anything wrong anyway. I don't need a part of it. There is one category of people that Jesus can't save. The self-righteous. Amen. Because they think they're fine as, they, as is. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. If you're here today and you think you're fine, this Bible has nothing to help you. It is for sinners. It is not until you become convinced of your lost condition, of your need of a Savior, of your identity as a sinner, that this thing has a plan for you. Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous. But they're offered a full part. All right, now let's look at the witnesses in this picture of a court case. Let's see, verse 41, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. All right, the first thing I notice about them is these witnesses witnessed the resurrected Lord. Oh, now you and I didn't literally and physically see Jesus come out of that tomb, but we know he did. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. You know how I know he lives? I talked to him today already, and the day before that, and the day before that. You know how I know he lives? He talked to me already, and the day before that, and the day before that. Witness the resurrected Lord. When you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can be a witness. And they're commanded to tell. Look at verse uh, 34. Then Peter opened his mouth. The Lord sent Peter and told him to preach a message to these people. Verse 42, and he commanded us to preach to the people. Acts 8.35, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. They're commanded to tell about the Lord Jesus. But now their, um, their message does have to include judgment. Look at verse 42. When he's telling about him, notice what he says. It is he which was ordained of God to be the, oh no, there's that word, judge of quick and dead. Now one of the things that you'll hear about old-fashioned Christians is they are too judgmental. They judge too much. One of the famous, favorite passages of this world is judge not, judge not, judge not. They think those two words make up the whole Bible. They completely ignore he that is spiritual judgeth all things. And Phineas stood up and executed judgment, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. They throw all those verses out and remember just those two words, judge not, and remove every bit of the context. But having said that, let me say, it is true. Sometimes those of us who are saved and quit a few bad habits, some of us do forget the pit from which we were dead. Some of us do forget what it was like to be back in some of that sin. And some of us haven't done for done it for a while. And even though we don't say those words, that spirit comes off of us. And I know that it must 
because there's just too many people that keep saying it. And I know, I know part of it is their guilty conscience, and I preach that. But let's be careful that as much as possible, it isn't because that feeling is coming off of us. Some of it's their guilty conscience, and we can't help that, but we can help the part that might come off of our stinking self-righteousness that we can have, for sure. Yeah. Usually, we have two or three areas that we do have the victory in. It just so happens that's not our weakness. <laughs> and we can sure get proud of ourselves that we got it down in that, in that area or two, and we can sure look down on somebody that ain't as strong in that area or two and forget that they got some areas they're beating us in pretty bad, too. So part of their message, though, is he is the judge of quick and dead. So while it's true that my judgment of you will sure be imperfect and sure won't be uh, impartial, let me tell you about God. His judgment of you will be just exactly right. Oh, yeah. And part of our message is you will be judged. He is the judge, capital J, of quick and dead. That is his title. But... Let's point out that God ordained him to be judge of all. Um, it says here in verse uh, 42, it is he which was ordained of God. Hebrews 12, 23, God is referred to as God, and the rest of the appositive, if you remember your English lessons, is the judge of all. That's who God is. That's one of his titles is the judge of all. Amen. You want to deal with God? One of the parts of his character that you're dealing with is a judge. You know what is uh, uncomfortable for somebody that's guilty of a crime? To face a judge. You hate Christians, many sinners do, because they seem like a judge. You know why they do? Admittedly, I've already admitted that they've got some sin in their lives that makes them judgmental. But another part of it is because they do represent the true judge. And you get uncomfortable when you're guilty of a crime around the judge, and that's who he is. Furthermore, these witnesses are supposed to preach the whole word of God, all the counsel of God. Verse 43 says, To him give all the prophets witness, that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. So the next thing they're supposed to preach is belief. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Who? Even them that believe on his name. Amen. In the New Testament, you know, we preach, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Amen. We Amen. preach the gospel. Who was it that died and was buried and rose again the third day and has the power to save your soul? Romans 1.16. It's Jesus. We're supposed to preach belief in him. And when you start lifting up the Lord Jesus, let me tell you who's nearby. The Holy Spirit of God. Look at verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, talking about believing on the Lord Jesus, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. You want the Holy Ghost in your witnessing? You want the Holy Ghost in your preaching? Let me tell you what do. Lift up the Lord Jesus Christ as the one that people should believe on and the Holy Ghost shows up. Amen. You start preaching relationships and teaching, you know, sound financial decisions. The Holy Ghost isn't necessarily there. 
And now I'm not against those things. <laughs> Lord knows we got plenty of people that need to be a little smarter with their money and a little smarter in their family and a little smarter in a lot of areas. But that's not Holy Ghost power. Holy Ghost power shows up when the Lord Jesus Christ is exalted. He shall not speak of Himself, Jesus said. He shall speak of Me. When Jesus Christ is exalted, Holy Spirit is attracted. <clears throat> and He showed up. Alright, what have we seen today? We've seen the judge, Jesus Christ. We've seen the defendants, the quick and dead. And we've seen the witnesses, those that have spent time with the Lord Jesus. Now, like it or not, it is right for Jesus Christ to be your judge. And like Amen. it or not, Jesus Christ will be your judge. Um, you know what we are? We're sinners. In God's law, we're criminals. We've broken His law, haven't we? Does the criminal get to choose who their judge is? <laughs> don't you know if the criminals got to choose their judge, don't you know they'd veto just about every one of them? <laughs> and then they'd bring up with their mama. And they'd go, okay, yeah, I'll take her. <laughs> Did you know I'm not completely joking there? Did you know you can have your judge for all of eternity be your father? That's right. Amen. I've heard about the justice system in these small, crooked, worn horse country southern towns. Haven't you all heard about that? Mm -hmm. And everybody complains about the justice in those towns except one category of people. The kin and close friends of the judge. They're fine with it. <laughs> Let me tell you what I advise you to do if I may draw from my southern country heritage. Join the family of the judge. Amen. Yeah. Be close friends with the judge. Imperfect as I am, guilty as I am, I've spoken with him already this morning. Yeah. And he spoke to me and reminded me of his love for me. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. I know that has to make the devil mad when he goes accusing me to the Lord, which he does, and I'm ashamed to say I give him plenty to talk about. When he looks at the Lord and me and sees how I do spend time with the Lord every day, and the Lord has clearly shown his love for me, undeserving as I am, that has to make him so mad. Fully deserving, whatever the devil probably says I deserve, the Lord says, no, that's one of mine. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. Now, you'll, you'll be facing the Lord Jesus. He'll be your judge. I don't care if it's at the judgment of nations in Matthew 25, or if it's at the great white throne judgment in Revelation 20, or if it's at the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you will be facing the judge. Amen. I highly recommend that you get on his good side. He has offered a way for everyone guilty to receive a full pardon. And it's through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you this morning, what will you do with Jesus? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to read and study your word.